Dark stories get to the core of what it means to be a human, which makes them essential. There's a reason Shakespeare's tragedies resonate even today in the modern world. On today's show, I got the chance to chat with Joe Favalero about his writing journey, his screenplay Ultra Modern, and our shared love of dark stories and tragedies. My name is Jay Shear. This is How Stories Work, and I hope you enjoy this conversation about what it means to pursue truth in storytelling, even if that truth gets dark. Joe, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. It should be really fun. And thanks for letting me read your script, Ultra Modern, which we'll get into as well. Um, and by the way, I met Joe on Twitter. You should go follow him on Twitter because he's a great follow, has uh, a lot of insightful things, is always posting about stuff that he's working on. Um, highly encourage you to go to follow Joe. Uh, what, what, is your, what is your handle? Joe? At Joe Strange with a Y for the strange part. It's, yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. At Joe Strange with a Y for the strange. Um, now, I wanted to start off the conversation with you just about, like, how did you get started in writing and screenwriting? Like, what has that journey looked like for you? For writing in general, I kind of started in high school. Like, I... Hmm was a musician first. So I was writing lyrics and all that kind of stuff, writing poetry here and there. And then I stumbled upon 1984 and I read that and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I like that <laughs> book. Um, and then I kind of fell into a rabbit hole of like wanting to be a journalist. I had a dream of being like a war correspondent at one point. Cause I was obsessed with Orwell and his time in like Catalonia and all that kind of stuff in world war two. And then I, Went to journalism school, failed at that, <laughs> dropped out pretty quick, um, got lucky and found a publisher. So I published my first novel when I was 20 and a couple of poetry books um, and then lived the life of a writer um, for quite a few many years. That's all the partying and the travel and the madness, not doing a lot of writing. And then I, uh, I went to Australia for a year, um, nearly drank myself to death. <laughs> And Whoa. then I was like, okay, I need to change. And I decided to go to uh, film school when I got back. And I was like, I always love movies. And then I was, oh, people write these things. So I'll give it a chance. And yeah, now I'm three years into it, I think, something like that. Wow, that's epic. So going back to your first novel, what, what, who did you publish that with? And what was that about? It was a dystopian fiction novel heavily influenced by Orwell. Um, oh, wow called a little red book and i published it with a company at the time called underwater mountains they're based out of la they i was like kind of part of this weird instagram poetry community thing i never really like i don't know i kind of went under the radar a lot because a lot of the stuff i wrote was too depressing to sell apparently so <laughs> um yeah i got published by them and i, I continued to publish a couple books with them um poetry wise and then the second novel i wrote hasn't come out yet maybe someday but wow. yeah that's awesome is it is it related to the first one or is it completely different completely different that one's uh <clears throat> kind of a romana clef coming of age story about my time in high school and also stuff that went down with me and my best friends and me getting kicked out of high school because i owned a van and a big protest happened and whatnot it was no <laughs> way yeah 
So you, so you have, you have, um, just from reading about your bio a little bit and seeing what you're posting on Twitter and now having heard you talking about this, you've got sort of a, um, what, how I want, how do I want to describe it? Like you've gotten, uh, almost like an old school sensibilities of, of how to get your writing on the page from life experience that you have. Like, it's almost like Hemingway-esque or like, um, uh, the Jack London, it's like, it's like a very much like you live the things and those things, do those things end up being on the page based on what's gone through your, through your head or how does that work? Yeah. A lot of the times, like I, the whole adage of like writing what, you know, it works in some in instances, if you take it literally, like I've written a, you know, a novel about my life or part of my life, but I tend to try to take my life experiences and use them or find metaphors for them and shove those through like, you know, Paul Schrader with taxi driver and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, living life definitely influences a lot of my stuff. That's cool. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. So and when you, when you going back a little bit to, to when you sold the novel and then even like, as you as you start to become, as you trend, well, let me ask this question first. When did you start transitioning into screenwriting from there, from the, the novel writing and the poetry? Uh, that was three years ago when I, um, <clears throat> sorry, I uh, got back from Australia and okay. needed to change something. I was just unhappy. I left my publisher because of okay. it was a very interesting, tumultuous relationship. Um, and yeah, I was just like, I, I started watching more movies because I was at home. The pandemic just started and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I just decided to just like I, I'll pick up a screenwriting book, see what this is all about, kind of thing. And then I started reading scripts. And then I had a friend who wanted me to work on something for him. So I was like, I guess I got to learn real quick. So I kind of just all transitioned to there. And I've been solely focused on that for the past three years now. Oh, I love it. I love it. And and part of that has been you going to film school. It sounds like too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, so do you have a goal at the end of film school to be more than just a screenwriter? Like, do you want to get into directing or producing or are you like, no, no I'm good on the writing side? I'm like, I'm pretty set on just being a writer. I like that, but it's also like, I don't really have much experience doing anything else. And I've kind of focused on learning the writing craft of it. So, I mean, like maybe someday I'll think of directing something, but until I nail down the actual, like, here's the story part. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'll worry about all that stuff later. That's cool. Yeah. And yeah. Like, whenever. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, go ahead. I like collaborating with people that are good at other jobs too. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's way more fun to, because then I can learn from them. They can learn from me. Like everybody brings their own different thing to it. If I just like have this story and it's like, it's my vision, then I feel like I lose the fun and essence of it. Even if it's like a, dark as hell story you know what I yeah, mean? yeah 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 totally yeah that, i i totally get that because we did a um we did a short film back in 2016 it was a, a star wars short film that we we wanted to add some depth to star wars and so we did a whole thing about two sisters who were um vying to be the next um apprentice to a jedi and it was dark it was a darker story and um I found it so stressful to be on set, man. Like, because it's like, I, I have a little bit of ADHD, probably undiagnosed. I'm just, that's my feeling about it. And 
when I would when I would be on set, it'd be like, how come we're not moving faster? How come we're not doing more? How come we're not getting more done? But like, you need to give those people the time and the space. You need to give the DP time and space to to do the DP's job. So I also know that like, if if I were ever to take on those kinds of roles, I would really need to be able to slow myself down and go like, this is my vision. I need to. It, if it's not that, then it's not good enough, and I need to like really hone in on it. Whereas in writing, I do that all the time. It's just it's just second nature to me to be like. Yeah this isn't perfect yet. I got to keep working on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think for me, like being in a band and also like I worked in restaurants for decade plus. So like in those environments of collaboration, like I do chiefly most of the songwriting for my band, mm-hmm. but I create the demo and like, this is my idea for the song. And I've learned over the years to just bring it because I have great people in my band. So I know their skill sets are going to just add to my vision. So it's like, if I were to direct something, I would just be like, okay, you guys all know your job. We have this one right. common goal. I like this idea. Now let's elevate it kind of thing. But like yeah, when I did my short film, I they wanted me to direct it. And then I told them no. And I got a director because I was like, I'm not going to do this on my first one. So I was kind of like a executive producer, I think. I don't know. I just made yeah. sure everything ran smoothly. But it was like having a good crew was just like I could step back and like I know they're gonna take care of the story I've written kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how it was for us too. It was like we were we were the I have a co-writer Nathan Check that I write with all the time, and we were we were just executive producers and we oversaw the story. And there were a couple of things that we had to like because of the vision, right? Where we were like, oh hey, like that actually has to be filmed. So like we didn't quite capture that because if you don't capture that, then it sets up this other problem later on in the story. But yeah. for the most part, we just were hands off and we're just like, yeah. hey, this is this is better than we could have done it. So you guys do your thing. So I love that perspective because I've felt the same exact way. Yeah, it was great. Like I just I made sure everybody had food. Yeah, that was that was it. And like if somebody asked me to do something, I'd be like, okay, let's go. I'll do it. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. just walking around being a writer. It's fine. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. That's really cool, man. Um, so do you have do you have an agent or a manager now? No, no, unrepresented. Okay, you're unrepresented. Interesting. Now, so you sold you sold the book unrepresented and you are working on screenplays unrepresented at this point. As yeah, well. I've done everything. Wow. All that side of it. And do you feel like you want to have that side at some point in time? Or are you like, no, I'm good, man. I can do this on my own. I would love to have a manager at the very mm-hmm. least at the beginning, you know, to have some, cause I'm still so outside of the industry. I would love to have yeah. that access and knowledge that a manager can bring. And it is hard doing it yourself. You know, like I've gotten mm-hmm. very lucky with a couple of the things that have come to fruition, but like navigating it too, like it's all just come from Twitter and like, I can tweet right. as much as I want and whatever, but like, I still don't know the business and I want to learn the business, but you know, you got to kind of have that access as well. So it's yeah. Having the guidance of somebody that knows what they're doing. is always good. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. That's the point where we're at too. Cause we don't, we we're not represented right now either. And it's the same thing. It's kind of, and, and I know that the problem is, is that, you know, I know I can gather a good crew because I've got friends in Hollywood. I used to live in LA. I don't live in LA anymore, but I've got friends in Hollywood. I know I can get talented people associated with a project, but the whole process of fundraising it is so difficult that like if I'm not just optioning it and I'm sending it to somebody else to, to complete, 
there's so much for me to do that I turn into more of a producer than I do a writer. And I don't yeah. always love that, right? Because it's like, man, I, I really rather focus on this storytelling piece of it. Not that, not that producers aren't storytelling uh, for tellers. I'm, they are. But um, it's just a little bit out of my my wheelhouse, like you described, being yeah. like, uncomfortable with some of the other jobs. You're like, man, that's a lot. I don't know. So yeah, it is a tricky, it is a really, really, really tricky thing. So we we will at some point probably look for representation as well. Um, and this is kind of a lead into my next question, because one of the things that we've thought about doing in order to, you know, resume build, I guess you'd call it, again, on the business side of things is like, yeah. let's enter contests and at least perform well enough that we can, it's a line item on a, on a, on a, yeah. on a cover letter to an agent, right? Like, yeah. so how do you, so you've, you've entered some contests, you've um, done extraordinarily well in some of the contests and I believe you've optioned a script as well. Didn't it say that on your bio on your website? Yeah. That had nothing to do with the contest though. That was all Twitter and all luck just posted. Really? So how did that work? How did that play out? I, I, like, I can't talk too much about it, but okay, it okay, was, okay. yeah, it was basically just like, I posted a log line and a poster I made for a story and then a director reached out, wanted to read it and liked oh, it. What? So, and then it kind of just, we met snowballed into that. And then, then, yeah, it's just, it was very weird because it was like, <laughs> I was graduating film school yeah, and like, I was finishing this story just to kind of get another script done. And oh. then the week I was graduating, like I met with them and like it optioned and I was like, this isn't supposed to happen this way. <laughs> well, right, right, right. Very, very lucky in that. That's so cool though, man. Congratulations on that. That's yeah. it, it, that goes to, that goes to show the importance of log lines even, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. like, like what your log line did was it sold your script to somebody who was like, that's legit. I got to check that out. So yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, can you say what the log line was or is that, is no, that going too far? Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Cool. Yeah. <laughs> to be, to be maybe on a later show, uh, we'll be able to talk about that. One. Yeah. Um, so you do have scripts. Um, Ultra modern is doing really well in contests. Um, you've posted about the black dog, which is on the blacklist, which is in, insanely, insanely cool. Um, blacklist website just to be clear not the blacklist list <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 well that's cool i mean that's that's cool too yeah. um but what do you think is what do you think about your screenwriting and we'll get into this when we talk about ultra modern a little bit more too but just in general like what do you think people are connecting to in your storytelling and in your screenplays i honestly don't know because a lot of people don't connect with what i write like oh really yeah i'm a very tough sell for a lot of people it's because I, I write very dark material a lot of the times yeah and i tackle very big dark issues yeah it can be a little much and i i got that when i was writing my poetry and selling books and stuff like that like mm. i tend to tackle things that um a lot of i i don't know a lot of people don't want to face you know yes. what i mean which isn't a bad thing it's completely understandable but there's yeah it's <laughs> i get like I don't know. It's weird. I don't know where people really or what they get from my storytelling. I think it's maybe like a vulnerability and an honesty in a lot of yeah. the characters I write because they come from a lot of dark spaces in my head. Yeah. So I think it might just be that, that 
pulls it. And I like to think that I have at least some semi-interesting ideas. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's it it is a bit tough <laughs> to sell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, for for me, um, when I when I started following you on Twitter, and then I started seeing what you were posting. And I thought, okay, cool. Like this is this, you're at a very similar stage as to where I'm at. Right. Um, we've done some stuff. We'd like to do more stuff. We're not necessarily in the industry, but we're on the, we're on the outskirts of the industry. Um, and, uh, I think that there is, see, I, I, I find personally, now you might tell me that ultra modern is a little bit more of a, um, a departure from as dark as you could get but see i find the darkness in stories to be very compelling because like you said it is honest like the world is the way that it is like we can avoid some of the way that the world is if we want yes. to and assume that it doesn't exist but i think that there's a part of capturing you know whatever however you want to define truth capturing truth does involve a lot of darkness unfortunately because that's just the world that we live in um so yeah i mean uh, we can get into ultra modern a little bit more because we can give people some examples of what that looks like um, in, in a little bit more detail. So first of all, thank you for letting me read ultra modern. It was, I thought it was fantastic. So great job. Kudos. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. And, and I think that by the way, if anyone's listening to this podcast, I think someone should go make it. So contact Joe and let him know you want to make it. Um, yeah, but let's get into that script a little bit more in a little bit more detail. Um, can you give us a log line on that one? Yeah, let me pull it up. Pull oh, up no, yeah. No, so I'm so like bad at like having it just ready to go. It's basically an ex-con um, is offered a permanent position in a wealthy gated community and discovers that the residents have ulterior, very disturbing motives. Yeah. yeah. Kind I of love that. get out meets Requiem for a Dream with a Black Mirror twist. There's some comps for you. <laughs> you know what? You know what? We did not talk about this beforehand. Like this is literally the first conversation I've had with Joe. And I wrote, I wrote down, and and this is maybe maybe a minor minor spoiler when I say this. So I, I don't want to say it too much. But Get Out meets The Matrix in a way too. Okay. Like, yeah, so, yeah. so it's that same sort of feeling. It's that same sort of like um you've got multiple layers you've got um characters who are um as they go through the story they're more is being revealed to them about what's really going on and that's all that stuff was um really really solid in there i, I really enjoyed all of that um so yeah so with that with that in mind with that being the kind of the baseline for where this story starts where did this story come from like where did the ideas come from like where did you go like this is where i'm going to take this story and put it down on paper uh well a lot of it comes from my own problems with addiction <laughs> so mm -hmm. i mean like mm -hmm. um i take that angle to it at least um and then take uh, it's so hard to like actually talk about the script without giving it away yeah 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 it's, totally, like, it's, totally. it's, a, it's a reveal or whatever but like yeah yeah um yeah and i wanted to craft this idea of you know if you're put into a position where you're not really welcome in a place and you're kind of um, dealing with the regret of your own choices in a past life and who you were at that time and whatnot. Um, and then there's people, whether their motives are good or bad, kind of amb ambiguous, I guess. Yeah. Um, they're out to get you. Yeah. 
for their own motives and their own problems and regrets and all that. <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this without like giving away the whole story. Yeah, yeah. And you can give away as much as you want to, yeah. by the way. I, I won't give anything away, but you you can you can say yeah, whatever yeah. you want. Um I and then by the way, I do that 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 is very apparent in the script itself. Like it's very apparent, like all of the characters have very clear and compelling goals and they all butt up against each other because of those goals right mm -hmm. um the protagonists and antagonists um all have and the side characters as well they all have compelling reasons to do the things that they're doing and so as you lay that out and as you start revealing that throughout the course of the script about what's really going on in this world and how are these characters interacting with this environment um that all comes through really strong so that that theme is very well embedded in your story so i think that's that was really really great i appreciate that it's definitely yeah. interesting crafting something like that and trying to keep it i mean some people might say i did it very badly but <laughs> you know some people <laughs> might really like it so it's like, yeah well of course i mean everything's subjective to a yeah. to an extent but one of the things i think you did extraordinarily well is that first of all your pacing is super solid and you didn't try to write too long of a script because some, sometimes, you know, you get a script that if your script was 20 pages longer, it probably would be a little bit too, um, there'd be moments where you'd say like, why are we, why are we seeing this or why are we going there? Like, is that a tangent? Yours, your script is very tight. I mean, there's, there's not, a, there's no fluff in there. Like, right. Like you get to the point. It's tight now think, because it was 15 pages longer before I finished that draft. So, oh, really? Really? Yeah, there was more. Um, and I got great notes from Nathan Graham Davis. Shout out to okay. him. Um, and Dave Williams as well. Um, and that helped me pare it down to keep it way more tight because I had That's it. Awesome. Yeah. It was just like, you know, draft after draft, you think you're like, this is good. And then you realize, <laughs> no, I've done too much. And like, yes, it's all a dance. <laughs> it is that is so true yeah we, we recently the last podcast not the last podcast i did the podcast before that i did a show with some with some buddies of mine that um they are getting into they're creating a production company and one of them is a screenwriter and the other one's sort of more of a business guru and uh and they're not quite at the place where they're like they've produced a short film so far they're going to produce some features but they're also helping people finance their scripts as well and so I was just talking, I was just chatting with them and I said, Hey, look, why don't you come on the show and like give us notes about one of our later latest scripts? And it was the same process. Like as soon as you get someone else's perspective on it, you're like, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, of course I, I could have thought about that. Cause sometimes um, it's so obvious, but you like missed it. And then yeah. you're like, how the hell did I miss that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, now do you, do you usually, this is not a question I had on here, but um, just, a, just, a, just a quick note on that. When you enter a contest, will you usually pay for them to give you feedback or no? It depends on the contest. Like ah, some okay. of them I will, um, some of them I won't. I mean, I'm kind of trying to pare back my entry thing a little yeah, bit yeah, now yeah. too, because it's for one, it does get expensive. Yeah, it does. Two, it, it's, I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, it's the contest world is such a weird one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I really don't want to be in that space anymore, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? But like, at least it's an access point, and you can get some pretty solid notes from a lot of places too. Yeah, yeah. My feeling on it has always <laughs> been um, with contests in particular that, 
first of all, I don't think winning the contest is all that meaningful, right? Like it, it, it's meaningful to get placements. It's not as meaningful to win. Um, and the only reason I say that is because because of the subjectivity of things, right? Like there could be a hot topic right now that they're like, you know what, we should pick this script to be number one because that topic is really, really hot. So we want to we want to be able to promote that to other people. And you have to understand too. The I ran a contest once. It wasn't for um, it wasn't for screenwriting, but I ran a contest for uh, it was for startup companies to pitch to potential investors and advisors, and then we would select the winner of the contest out of that group. I will tell you right now, I don't think in my history of running that contest, not a single one of the companies that I would have picked was picked by the judging panel. Right. Um, And what that made me realize was it made me realize is that there are, and by the way, if you ever hear a judging panel, like talk about scripts and things or not scripts, but you know, companies or whatever the thing is, the way that they talk about it is like, the the difference between the best and the second best and the third best scripts is so minor and so it could come down to like i don't know we need to flip a coin (laughs) like it's like it's not necessarily it's it's only so meaningful i guess is the best way of putting that so i i kind of agree because i don't usually i have enough friends who are really great screenwriters that if I wanted to say like, Hey, would you give me feedback on this script? They would. So yeah. I, I rarely pay for coverage ever because I'm kind of yeah. like, I have friends that will give me great notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And I'd rather pay them. Honestly, I'd be like, Hey, I'll just pay the same fee. I'll give you, give it to you. Yeah. Um, for sure. So let's talk, let's, let's get into ultra modern a little bit more. Like, so I love where the idea came from. I love that. It's about sort of some of the things that you, um, you found in your own life that that um, worked their way into the script, which makes me want to dive into one specific part. But I'll probably give like a, a like a really specific spoiler warning before we get into that because it might it might be too spoilery. Yeah. But uh, before we go there, um, I find I find the premise of this film to be or the script to be very compelling. So what is at the core of this premise for you? Like what truth are you trying to present to the world via this screenplay as a vehicle? It's so hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Can I come back on that? No. Yeah, you can totally. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you can. You can. You can. can. Let me, let me, let me explain a couple of things that that I think a couple of themes that start to reveal to me a sort of like where your thinking was at you have a theme of you have a theme of addiction and you have a theme of addiction that's also related to not only how the addict sees themselves but how they see their environment right um and how that can be uh how that can be both a real truth and also a false dichotomy at times, and, and you're constantly playing with those two with those two themes. Um, and I found that really compelling. And when it comes down to the very end of the script, there's something uh, about the way that you end it that seems to speak to something deeper about what your experience has been and what it means to be in that environment and to make choices, which is ultimately like something that's very, a very big deal in the script. So 
Is there anything about those things that you would say like, yeah, I mean, that resonated with me a lot. Let's just put it that way. It resonated with me a lot. Like the, the concept of what your choices are, what choices you don't have and where those two things meet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a very fascinating way of exploring that question. Is there anything in there that you would say like, oh yeah, this is, you know. <laughs> I think there is a weird way in which like when it comes to addiction to where a lot of people do believe it's a choice, you know, still, mm. there's still obviously a stigma attached to addiction, um, mm. whether it be to booze or heroin or, you know, cigarettes, mm. anything. But there's also this weird thing that a lot of it isn't a choice and mm. how the addict use it a lot of the times too, or at least for me is sometimes I think, Oh yeah, I had, I was going to be an alcoholic. I was destined to be that. And, yeah. you know, some family history might involve that too, but it's also, well, maybe if I like, you know, chose not to drink when I was so young, I wouldn't be this way now. So it's kind of like this, it's a weird dance to figure out whether it's your fault and what you yeah. do with that information too. Right. Because right. I could sit around and mope all day about, you know, oh, I can't drink with my friends anymore because of I'm morally flawed, but right. in reality, it's, you know, it might not be my choice and I'm just this way. So it's, right. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, not only do I know what you mean, I feel like, I feel <laughs> like the, um, I feel like those who have not had some form of addiction in their life or been close to some form of addiction, they face the same problems but they're able to ignore it because they don't get the label so what i'm saying is like i feel like it's something that more people have issues with that they just are able to function through without it being like something that impacts their life in such a way that other people are telling them like hey look you're out of control like you need to do something about it which which means that i think that when i read a script like ultra modern um it speaks very deeply to the human condition because whether or not you want to label yourself as an addict or I want to label myself as an addict or someone, there's this, there's this, I, there's this thing that you just talked about, which is like how much of, how much of our destiny is determined by our choices and how much of it is determined by consequences that we really don't have any control over whatsoever. Right. Yeah. For sure. um, and I think that I think that what you're saying is a very deep, meaningful attribute of like, what does it take to change? What is what is it involved in that change? And that is such a complex topic that like addressing it in any way, shape or form is you're liable to come out in various ways unless you're trying to lie to me in your premise. So your your premise feels true because you doesn't yeah. feel like you're trying to lie to me, right? Yeah. Like you're not you're, you're just presenting it as and maybe that's where I am finding myself connecting to the darkness that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Um but even in the end of your script, I feel like the end of your script doesn't end in a completely dark place. There's still there's still hope to be had at the end of yeah. your script. Do you feel like that's true? Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things, actually, it's the opposite of what I've been accused of, where a lot of my shit is very hopeless. <laughs> oh, really? And I don't think I've, like, I think it's because I haven't made the hope clear enough that there is hope in the darkness. Like, it uh... as, as depressing and 
brutal a lot of the stuff I write is, and I usually am as a person. I'm very pessimistic. It's just naturally that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a reason for it because I have such a belief in the good of things that I'm just so disappointed all the time. There is hope in there and it's but hope can be a dangerous thing too like that's kind of yeah in that script as well it, it depends on is. where that hope is directed and how that hope is used and you know it's it's but it's there like it's always there yeah right? well one of the things i loved about your script is that um there are there are two people i'm going to say i'm going to just talk about this like like in um in a non-spoiler spoilery way there are two people dealing with a form of addiction and when you when even after they've made the choice that takes them toward hope and again someone could say that this is you including too much darkness and yet i would say man but that speaks so much truth into into the um into the script itself that I don't see how you could how that if you if you changed it it would feel like a lie and that is when they sort of escaped the they've sort of um, dealt with the big problem that they're trying to deal with and then they're confronted with a temptation towards their addiction again and they still avoid it but it's still there like yeah. it's still there to say like there's a tug at me that is that I'm not a hundred percent free of this. And so many screenplays and so many things that are produced, it's like, you know, the resolution is everything is good, man. <laughs> like every, yeah. we're all okay. And I, what I loved about your script was that it was like, look, we made it through a portion of our lives, but to assume that we're never going to face this again is probably not a good assumption for us. Yeah, and I thought that was fantastic, man. That little yeah. that little notion yeah. of that. Yeah, because that just comes from being an alcoholic myself like nobody ever says they're a former alcoholic or they're a former drug addict it's always on the process you don't escape it until you die right yeah so yeah. Like, it's you're never it's always with you that's the yeah. thing like you, you can't there's no resolution to it every day is the resolution that you just didn't succumb to the addiction again so it's yeah. like i couldn't just be like no they're good <laughs> like, <laughs> right, 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 right. how it works you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. I mean, the the, the kind of the thing the thing I was hinting at, hinting at earlier was that just that there are no such thing as perfect people. Have you met a perfect person? Nope. <laughs> no. No. We don't. We don't exist, right? And so we like to we like to in screenplays and in scripts, uh, we like to create these um, these heroes and villains scenarios where we can say that they overcome brokenness as if they it's as if it's as if there is a perfect individual and at the end of films people are supposed to end up being that right yeah. and you're just like but i mean that's not that's not real life so maybe one of the reasons why um i resonate with ultra modern so much or maybe and i haven't read your other scripts but i'm, I'm sure i would as well even if people say they were too dark <laughs> is that i do believe in the power of tragedy I believe in the power of tragedy more than I agree, more than I like resonate with like the hero's journey or something, right? Like to me, the hero's journey is that's fine for an adolescent trying to find their way in life. But when, when we're, a, when we're fully functioning adults, the hero's journey can inspire us to be, to do things a little differently in our lives, which we should, but there's 
always there's always tragedy. I mean, you just said you just said a very powerful thing. And this is true if you're if you're an addict, but it's also true if you're just an imperfect person is that there's no cure until you die. Like let's that's it. So, that's that's it. it. I mean, yeah. and the, and the 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 profound truth that that is um is just really really fascinating to me. Um and I think that there, you know, I, I don't mind wish fulfillment and things like I'm reading Inglorious Bastards right now. And of course, of course, that's sort of like a, it's a very darkly told revisionist history um, fantasy. Like yeah. imagine if we could have done this, wouldn't this have been cool? Right. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But it doesn't necessarily reveal the truth of it does reveal the truth of how horrific some things were for some types of people, but it doesn't give you a full picture necessarily. It gives you more of like a, what if these, this kind of person could have seen this happen? That would have been amazing. It's like, okay, cool. We can play that wish fulfillment game. But if we don't have stories like yours or like much of what Shakespeare does, like would we really be able to communicate the human condition to one another in an effective way? I'm not sure we would. Right. Yeah. So I love it, man. I think it's yeah. fantastic. Tragedy is it's, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really, it really, really is. And sometimes you, you sometimes I, I have, so I have uh, just the, um, I don't want to talk too much. So I want to get back to, to some of the stuff with you, but okay, I, like I have it. a, <laughs> well, I talk too much already as it is. So um, I have a script out right now, scripts performing decently in contests. Um, but we wrote a prequel to that script as a short film. And yeah. the, the, the whole idea was let's let's produce the short film, which we hope to produce this year so that we can take that to investors to make the, the feature. Right. Yeah. Like, look, check this out. And um, and the feature is hopeful. It's it, it, it's also yeah. dark, <laughs> but it's also a little it has a little bit of hope to it. But the short <laughs> is pretty dark, man. Yeah. Like when I think yeah. about it in context now, see, I know that I'm also going to communicate. There is hope related to the, it's it's. It's um, it's not, it's not related to addiction, but it is related to the choices people make that cause them to have shame and guilt. Yeah, and how that shame and guilt can be manipulated by other people, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of that going on with it. But the first film is like super tragic, and and I was I was reflecting on that the other day, and I was like, wow, that's uh, that's a lot to take in. So hopefully we can produce the short film and people will understand that as a precursor to another film that is also very dark, but that will have some level of hope um, associated to it, just kind of like yours yeah. does, right? Don't worry, it gets lighter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's talk. Is it cool if we go into spoilers? Are you cool with that? Sure, why not? Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, so this is the spoiler part of the conversation. Um, we'll get into a little bit more of what ultra modern is kind of about. And then I can pick your brain a little bit more on some of the choices that were made that I think were really good. Um, so ultra modern is essentially a story about uh, a person dealing with addiction who gets caught up in a treatment program, which he did not sign up for. This is fair enough to say, right? That's one way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and in the end, he's able to break free of that treatment program um, and, because it was actually a, a, a harmful thing being led by someone who had a very specific agenda in trying to cure people in a way that um, 
I would suggest that the, the screenplay suggests that it is not possible to cure people in some of those kinds of ways. And so by escaping that, it was kind of more of along the lines of saying, well, and, and by the way, it was, he was put into that program. The protagonist was put into that program um, unwillingly. And so there's an uh, there's there's a whole level of like like you said like how much do we get how much do we get to choose these li our lives versus how much are our lives thrust on us by other people or by other circumstances, yeah. um, and so it, in in that concept like well first of all let me let me just say this there's a lot of in the you do something in the very beginning of the script, which I absolutely love, and I oftentimes try and do myself. And that is, your the first line of dialogue in the latest um, in the latest draft does not occur until like page four. So if a, if there's like a minute of screen time per per script, um, you've got four minutes worth of screen time where we're just visually learning information, um, and you have some things you present in the beginning of the film also then show up in the in the final moments of the film as well so there's some kind of relationship there which is i think yeah. is really phenomenal what what inspired you to do something like that like what made you think like was it just like i'm just going to sit down and or did you challenge yourself to wait to the first line of dialogue or like what made it so visually compelling in those first moments well like when i first wrote it there was vo like voiceover through that whole first part oh okay that, um <clears throat> when I do like a first draft or like a second draft, it's usually like very exposition heavy because mm. I like having just all the answers there. So yeah. like all the V the voiceover was kind of the state that you get from that first four pages yeah. without, or um, the character state, at least um, I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. <laughs> um, all that voiceover was basically what i wanted to say and then i took it away so that we could get the visual sense of this isolation that he's in there so originally mm. it was like you know very crammed in it voiceover is really cool because i love doing voiceover but like i don't know a lot of people say don't do it but <laughs> right. i found a new way to you know cut it out and found a new way to condense those feelings of isolation to the characters in to show his you know when we first get to meet him or whatever um yeah, yeah i don't know uh, it, I don't, that sense yeah. of isolation is real too man like yeah like because he goes through those first four or five minutes even even maybe even into the sixth minute because from the time um we get uh the what remind me of the lead character's name is again i'm blanking paul. on it paul Sally. paul Yes, yeah. yes, yes, Paul. So by the time Paul gets to Alan, who's at the gate, right? Um, that's the first time he's engaging with another human being from the time he's shown up on film, basically. Well, there's one other very brief part with his, um, yeah, but like that's very, very low. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. It's that that shows up first. Too. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, there's it is. Also yes, a it lot is. of isolationism in that scene as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it it's very clear that the person he's interacting with in that scene is there's a barrier between them. You did a really yeah. good job of presenting like there's a barrier between these two individuals and how they're interacting with one another, um, which then builds on that sense of <laughs> that sense of isolation, which is phenomenal. Um, 
And then even when even when he gets into the community, um, there's still like a sense of isolation. He's off in a cabin, off to yeah. himself in the woods. He's not in part of the main portion of that community. Yeah. Um, can you speak to can you speak to the character of Paul and that sense of isolation and how important it is to to his character and to his to what's going on with him? I think it's it comes a lot from my own isolation. I'm I'm very good at being alone <clears throat> and I like being alone. Mm -hmm. But there can be like a dangerous aspect to that where if you're too alone and you don't connect with people, you'll, you know, I don't know, turn into an incel or something. But like <laughs> um, <clears throat> when it comes to Paul's character, that isolation is like vital to mm -hmm. staying on track to his um routine and his regimen of being fit being healthy being like focused on not getting high again all that mm. kind of stuff so it's like he's convinced himself that he has to do this alone mm. and outside distractions other than his work and his working on himself nothing mm. else matters kind of thing so it's very important that he like doesn't let people in and yeah that's awesome. when they get too close it gets uncomfortable <laughs> yeah and and yet at the and, and yet by the end of the film he has gotten close to at least one other character. So yeah, what what does that say about Paul's journey? Like, does he what does he learn in through that process? He's learning that you can't do it alone. You do mm -hmm. need people, other people. And I like even in my own situation, I've I did most of it alone. I, I'm not an AA or anything like that. I didn't go to a treatment program or anything. I just did it on my own. But I had mm -hmm. a lot of good people friends and family around me that were supportive so like even though i did it alone i didn't do it alone it's just yeah. like this whole writing business you might think it's you doing it alone but you need other people to do it yeah that's for that's sure that's for sure that's why i like having a co-writer because otherwise even the even the process of writing itself can be isolating and, and and to your point like it's okay if something is isolating for a time but then you need to draw yourself into a relationship as well yeah, um, sure. The right kinds of relationship, obviously, because you, as you pointed out, yeah. like some of those relationships can be very toxic to you, right? Yeah, um, that ties into the story too, because like a sense of community is good for people dealing with addiction. But yeah, if that community doesn't exactly have like the truest of intentions behind it, like community can, community can destroy you even more. So it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, but it's hard to find those right people because yeah. you just don't know, right? Well, and, the, and they also have to be people that, well, I won't speak out of turn. I assume that they would need to be people, the kind of people I would want to surround myself with, and this is where it gets very, very difficult, is that the kind of people that, in order to have a really true relationship with somebody, you do have to show them your darkness, because if they don't oh, yeah. see it, do they really have a relationship with you, right? Like yeah. to a certain extent. So there's there's this danger of developing relationships where, and I think this is evident in your script too, by the way, because um, Paul does meet another character, Sadie, who who he does develop a relationship with. But even that, even the first moments of them meeting, there's this sense that Paul is trying to push her away because even though he's intrigued by her. He he is trying to isolate, like you said, right? Yeah. Like he's trying to keep people distant from him. And then um, but he knows by the end of the film that he needs 
I, I would say you you can tell me end of the script that say he needs Sadie because they've developed a relationship where they see each other's problems and they understand what each other's problems are. And I would argue one of the one of the things that uh, at the end of the film where they are presented with um, an opportunity to indulge in their addiction and yet uh, the only way that they get out of that is because they're together. Because if they were if they were separate, they might not be able to get out of it. It yeah. is what I took is what I took from the the screenplay at least. Yeah, for sure. No, like, and there's also kind of a. It's not explicitly said, but I kind of had it in the back of my mind for the character where it gets a little bit dark. Where yeah, yeah, he's pushed this addiction away, but maybe Sadie's become his new addiction. Right. Because we can get addicted to people, and we can get addicted addicted to relationships, and. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, you're left with a feeling of, like, is this going to be a good relationship? There's still a mystery to it. I don't, I don't want that resolution, right? It's like, I want that to still kind of be open. Yeah. So, yeah. like, he might be ice. You can isolate yourself with people <laughs> very easily. <laughs> right. 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 So, right. I don't know what's up next for them, but yeah. See, I, I love that part of it too, because, um, the short film we did had a very, very vague resolution. And one of the things that, you know, that people always talk about with stories is they need to have a beginning, a middle and an end. And one of the things I think you did really well, is, and I think that, that powerful stories do this, is that they conclude, but there's always like a question that's left in your mind of like, well, how is how how is how are Paul and Sadie going to fare in this world outside of this story? Right. Like that's something that we want. I think we want to be left with. I think a lot of horror films do it by letting you know that the villain is still out there, right? Like a lot yeah, of because yeah. a lot of horror films are ultimately tragedies when you when you really break them down. Um, and and I think that if you, I think that if you are too definitive sometimes, that so just to, just 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 to be like just to show you kind of my journey in this in this arena, um, when I very first started writing. I um I was involved in like the Christian writing community, right? Yeah. And then as I started to have a deeper understanding of like my own spiritual perspective, I was like these stories are all completely ridiculous because they are I won't saying all is um is maybe <laughs> a little bit too drastic, right? So I won't say that, but most of them are like we want to come we want people to come to a conclusion and so therefore like this happens and this happens and this happens and then this happens and it's usually something like they accept Jesus and then like everything is fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and just for full disclosure, I consider myself a Christ follower, but like, I think that that kind of storytelling is, it doesn't even get at the heart of what the human experience is like. And therefore, therefore putting that on the, on the screen like that, you're actually lying to the audience as opposed to drawing them into a deeper relationship that you could be doing, drawing them into. And, um, and so I love the way your script ends because if you, if you make a definitive statement and you say, this is the way that the, that, that this all turns out and then that this is, it is now resolved. Yeah. I feel like it's, I feel like it's kind of like, but that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Like yeah. if you were to tell me that they were just totally fine and they're just going to go out right off into the sunset and everything was cool. And you yeah. didn't tell me that he could possibly be addicted to Sadie or you didn't showcase that 
at the end of the film, there was this moment where they're like, man, maybe I could be tempted into another and tempted into, um, you know, fulfilling my addiction for a moment. If you didn't tell me that, I'd be like, man, I'm not sure if it's true. But but yeah. what you did was you said, no, this is true, man. Like, this is the way that it is. Yeah, and I found that remarkably satisfying of a conclusion. So um, I appreciate so, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's definitely an interesting one. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. man. It's fantastic. Appreciate it. Um, uh, so let's, let, you know, we're coming up on an hour here. Um, are there any, one of my goals and thank you for letting me read ultra modern, by the way, because one of, of my goals this year is to read more and more scripts. <laughs> so, so for me, I'm, I'm like, trying to read as I, much as I can too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I've read Avengers Endgame. I've read Chinatown, which Chinatown is my favorite script that I've ever read of all time. Um, now I've read ultra modern. I'm almost finished with inglorious bastards. I'm reading, uh, the latest Batman script, the Matt Reeves Batman. Um, what else should I put on my list, Joe? Like, what would you say? I think you should read these. Everything, everywhere, all at once was a pretty wild read. Like, it's okay. such, it's so interesting the way they figured that whole story out. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain because it's just, it's so wild. Um, cool. The Whale was, I, I loved, loved, loved that movie. And reading the script was just like, it, made me want to quit writing <laughs> so, really really yeah, i was just like out like i don't know it I, there's something about that story that just pulled me in so much um yeah that um if you get a chance read um another twitter writer joe marino he wrote this amazing horror script called the sickness okay it's okay. fucking wild <laughs> um I'll, I'll just leave it at that like it's, it's insane i think he i think awesome. he was a finalist at austin film fest last year I think okay it's a really okay. great script um i'm trying to think of what else i mean that's it's, a really good i've, I, I've a, seen oh, go ahead. no no it's okay i was just gonna say i i've seen everything everywhere all at once fantastic film yeah um, but i have not read the script so that's great because that script's got to be bonkers to a certain degree too right like it's wild man like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so wild <laughs> That sounds awesome. I can't wait. And then, and then I've, I haven't seen the whale yet. Um, obviously I, I've heard all about it because of Brendan Fraser's performance and stuff. And even just the, um, I mean the filmmaker who it's coming from, um, Aronofsky, I think it's coming from, I mean, that's that, that, it's, yeah. So I, that's one of those things where I got to check it, check that out for sure too. So I'll definitely yeah. read those. Um, that, those sound fantastic. And then I'll try and get that other script, um, that you mentioned that was a finalist. Um, Cool, man. Well, where can people where can people find you and where can people connect with you? I'll tell you right now, Joe is a fantastic Twitter follow. So go follow him on Twitter. Um, he's always posting uh, insightful things or things that make me laugh a little bit or whatever. So some very depressing uh, things too. <laughs> some very depressing things too. Get used to I mean, it. I mean, that's life, dude. Like some things are yeah. just depressing, you know. It just is what it is. So yeah. um, I dig it. But where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Joe Strange with a at Y. Joe Strange. Right. Um, and then my website for anything related, I do a, a column-ish type thing from Pipeline Artists as well. Oh, you cool. can find me on there. I think I have a new one coming out soon as well, actually. It'll probably be out by the time this comes out. Um, okay. Instagram is the same as whatever if you want pictures of me. <laughs> awesome. I don't know. Yeah, it's 
find me. And you're, and you're in a band. What kind of music do you play? We play punk, hard rock-ish, a little bit of blues influence kind of stuff. We were called Rough Party, but we changed our name to Band Together. Um, nice. And then, yeah, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever they steal money from us artists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I'll check that out because that's that is uh, that is legitimately my kind of music too. So, oh yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of residents. We have a lot of residents in between what you're doing and what I do. For sure, that's uh, awesome. I just need well, a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you don't, because man, it can be a distraction from writing. I'll be I, honest I, with you. I don't think I could do it. It's yeah. I'm, I'm in awe. Of, I know a couple people that do it, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> well, one of the things that I've learned about podcasting for a while, I did it. For a while, I did it like to gain a following so that people could then like, cause we, we have a book out too, right? Like yeah. we have a, uh, we have death of a bounty hunter is a book that we did that we've just turned into a, um, a TV pilot. Nice. Um, but like one of the things I learned when I was doing that, when I was doing podcasts to try and sell books is that it was like, man, it feels too disingenuous. Like really the thing I gained from podcasting was not a following or not book sales or not any of those things. It was, relationships yeah. i was gaining relationships that were awesome right like um uh a lot of people i've met through podcasting is because is because i can invite you on a podcast and if i if i meet you in real life right and we go hang out and have lunch we can have a great time at lunch we can have a great conversation yeah but if i can get you on a podcast and now all of a sudden we're talking about what addiction is like now all of a sudden we're talking about um what you what you're you perceive to be true about the world like that is a conversation i can't get to very quickly unless i'm on a podcast right because yeah, for sure what am i gonna do like oh how's your burger and by the way what do you how do you feel about hope and despair you know what i mean like yeah i'm the opposite i bring that up right away oh well see then we would get along because i love i love talking about it. it's just <laughs> like awesome. my friends are so fucking exhausted <laughs> Like a lot of the times, man, it's so funny. That's I get hilarious. a kick out of it. To be quite honest, I'm a little <laughs> sadistic, I guess that way. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I'm definitely here for it because I think that those kind of conversations are really fascinating. So, for sure. Uh, well, thank you for the, taking the time. Definitely go follow Joe. Follow him on Twitter, Instagram. Check out his band, which I'm going to check out as well. Um, and then look for his scripts because uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure one of these is going to get produced one of these days, man. This is killer. So That's the dream. That's the dream. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for joining me, Joe. I appreciate it. Of course. Special thanks to Joe Favalero for joining me today. Please follow Joe on Twitter and check out one of his amazing screenplays. If you want more insights and commentary on writing and storytelling in general, please check out How Stories Work on Patreon and make sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening. Now, let's go write something awesome. Bye.